Welcome to a very special edition of the Weekend Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt Podcast family. And as always, with thanks to our friends at Cooper Tyres and to the Justice Brothers for their continued support for our efforts. It's been one heck of a week at the Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona, and in particular, even before racing got underway, with an extraordinary press conference, an extraordinary announcement, an extraordinary gathering of the motorsport world uh, here at Daytona for what emerged as what we expected if you'd be reading uh, both Racer and Daily Sports Car in the, in the last uh, week or so. Convergence, finally. Uh, regulations that bring together the IMSA and ACO families for the top class of international sports car racing from the 2021 season 21-22 season rather for the FRWC and from 2022 uh, in IMSA IMSA's WeatherTech Sports Car Championship LMDH is the new moniker no more DPI 2.0 that will sit alongside the Le Mans hypercars we're going to hear more uh, about all of that uh, at Sebring uh, but Stephen Kilby, uh, before we get into the two very special uh, guests we've invited along to answer uh, listeners' questions, just a couple of reactions, well, from both of us, really, to what's been a very special couple of days for sports car racing. Yeah, it certainly felt like the whole of Le Mans week condensed into sort of four or five days, hasn't it, uh, in terms of announcements, news, buzz. Um, Friday, though, I must admit... I don't think it played out quite as we expected. I think we we had this sort of vision in our head of how it was going to play out, and the conference I think lived up to exactly what we had in advance. And um, the convergence announcement being there with so many manufacturers in that room, with so many important people up on that stage, um, all with a shared vision and all full of positivity that I think many people um, didn't necessarily expect six, twelve months ago. Um, but Without the detail, we haven't had too much in the way of tangible reaction that I think we'd expect from major manufacturers if they had given us more of an idea on technical regulations. That will come, and we promise that that will come following the World Motorsport Council at the beginning of March that should ratify um, the outline plans with technical regulations and a name for the new class, new combined class, that should be announced at Super Sebring. Uh, in mid-late uh, 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 March and at that stage maybe we start to get a little bit more in terms of a flavour of the manufacturers that uh, might well be committed. We already believe we know uh, a number of those that are very close to committing to either an IMSA programme or a WC programme in certain instances perhaps both uh, it's going to be phenomenally interesting to see whether or not that, uh, that number is a number akin to the kind of thing we've seen so far in IMSA or in WC, the twos and the threes. But I think it's fair to say that we hope and to a degree expect that we might go rather north of that. And that brings some mouth-watering prospects for particularly the big Blue Ribbon events, the Rolex 24 Hours here in Daytona, the Sebring 12 Hours, what will be the shape of that event in the future. That's still to be determined um, the Le Mans 24 Hours, of course, with the Centenary event beckoning in 2023. It's not just about the top class. You will get into with the questions too. I'm going to tell you now, Gerard Naveau, the CEO of LMEM, who organised, of course, the FI World Endurance Championship, and IMSA's new president, John Doonan, both give us something like half an hour of their time to answer uh, our questions and yours. And they've got some really interesting things to say. Uh, some open questions about the future of GT, some open questions too about the shape of the calendars of the major championships moving forward. But the important thing is the ball is now rolling, it's rolling very fast indeed. And we're only now going to have to wait a few more weeks to find more of the detail which will finally give the answers to the questions that you're asking, Stephen, that I'm asking, that the listeners out there are asking, but most importantly of all, that the motorsport industry, the motor industry, wider industry too, are asking of these two organising bodies. Will it be enough? We hope so. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've we've had my um, 
reaction. We need yours now. When we first heard the sort of signs that convergence was going to happen, or that it was certainly a possibility, is this everything you hoped it would be? Now we've actually had that outline announcement that, that we have a pathway. Uh, I wanted to see the people we saw on that top table. We had uh, Jim France and John Doonan from the IMSA side. We had Pierre Fion, uh, and we had uh, uh, Gerard Naveau from the uh, the WEC and the ACO side. It, we simply had to see those people together. I have one further dream I'd like to see, and I would like to see Stefan Mattel involved in this too. I think the uh, time for calendars clashing and competing um, is long gone. I think it's now time for the major bodies that look after our part of world motorsports to come together and start to build start to build a future here. The time for unenlightened self-interest from any of those parties, and, and frankly all of them have, have, have been party to some of that in, in, in recent years, is, is fast getting to the point where it's not going to be sustainable. And the future of GT racing certainly will, will, will feature here. I think that's the next big challenge. For now, though, yes, in terms of prototypes, um, it's what we should be getting. It doesn't matter whether or not you like the, the concept. It doesn't matter whether or not you agree with the detail we know so far. The key to this is what we've got now is has got real potential for being truly sustainable to keep North American road racing, endurance racing healthy, to keep the global platform uh, healthy with the WEC. And as one of our media colleagues said to me this morning as we were chatting, just walking into the press centre, yes, it should have happened three years ago, but it's happening now and that's all that matters. Now we can all get behind this. And I guess that's my message to anybody listening here. Ask the questions insist on the answers which many of you have done and thank you very much for the response to the call for questions we've put up for this but now let's get behind this and we say it all the time let's go racing Gerard Naveau we asked for some questions from the fans about the convergence announcement yesterday and suffice to say we've got way more than we can cover in I think about 10-15 minutes we're going to have with you this morning a very busy day here in Daytona we're going to get straight stuck into this uh, Gerard, uh, quick reaction. Well, I should scroll through some of these from you uh, personally. I know this has been a personal dream of yours. Yeah, absolutely. We, but not only me, but many people around. But for sure, since um, since two years, we were absolutely convinced that we have to find a way to do it something very close together between him and ACO. Uh, it was just logical. If you if you make an analysis about the market, about the motorsport planet now, about the history or so, because uh, we, are, we have just to manage the heritage and to prepare the future and to operate the, the present time. And um, it was making sense to try to make something together. But the, the difficulties in this case, you have to find the right slot. You have to find the right time to do it. You have to find the right opportunity. You have to have the right people around the table, which is a key point or so. And uh, we have to say clearly that there is a, a very... Very more than a good relationship, there is a very friendly relationship in what we call the, the steering committee, which is the, the board uh, between ACO and, uh, and FIA, where you have on um, one side you have uh, Jim France, Ed Bennett, and John Dunant sitting, and on the other side you have Pierre Fillon and myself, and uh, it works very well. We, we have a very friendly relationship, very frankly relationship, where we can say everything around the table is respectful. And um, we have exactly, we share the same vision, the same passion for the motorsport, for the endurance, for the sports car. Um, Jim and Pierre are two humble people who have uh, the same respect for the paddock, the respective paddocks. Uh, on the other hand, we have also to admit that this is two independent identity. I mean, there is the, there is the IMSA WeatherTech, which is uh, for the North American territories, and there is WC with Le Mans on the other side. So, um, what and there, we and there are some commercial realities to be recognised. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, and 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 there is some specificity that you have to respect. Also, the, I mean that the vision of some OEMs in America is not necessarily the same than from other in Europe, for example. Or, or you can have different analyses, different priority. So, what we tried to do with the with the with the 
help people from IMSA was to find a way to provide the, the best answer for the paddock and for the global actors of the sports car. And after a few months of work, involving also seriously our sporting and, and, and technical department, because this is very challenging, we, we said, okay, we have to be inspired by the the, the hypercar regulation and the DPI 2.0 regulation. And uh, if we are inspired by these two platforms, maybe we can find a convergence to join somewhere and to create uh, a new model, a new platform, which will rejoin the top category. And uh, this is what we have made and what we have announced uh, yesterday with the LMDH. And very frankly, uh, everything is in the world. Le Mans Daytona, so you have the you have the story, the base, you have the, the link. And, uh, we wait for what the edge is actually going to be. Edge, edge is your choice. We explained yesterday. It was uh, you can imagine that this is so hybrid because you know there is hybrid. This is happy because this is happy news. <laughs> this is a hypercar because we'll be on the top categories. The idea is that this category will join or will be connected with the hydrogen in four or five years. So uh, exactly, uh, it, it can be uh, as I say home cycle because we have this family spirit together. So yeah, this is up to you. We don't care about that. The LMDH is, uh, is this top categories just born yesterday in Daytona. We're going to hear a lot more at Sebring about technical regulations and sure. the name for the combined class. All of that we know we've got to wait be a little more patient for. But one quick... Yeah, it, it needs to have a clear, a quick explanation sure. about that. You can imagine that we are not nowhere now. This is a very well advanced uh, working progress uh, between the two technical departments leading by uh, Simon Hudson on the IMSS side and by... Uh, on the ACO side, I can tell you they are working daily, uh, a meeting most more or less every week, maximum every two weeks, face to face, involving some partners, some uh, LMP2 uh, manufacturers, chassis manufacturers. So they are working very close together. And uh, what we have decided, and what Pierre and Jim, Pierre Fillon and Jim France said, that all we show complete copy with, with the, the clear explanation, but we cannot do something partial that we are waiting for some additional decision because uh, it's important to know for example, we say that w you will have a common part but, uh, it's not the same if you have uh, many common parts or four or five or two so we have to know exactly and this is on the final way now on the final straight I would say and the idea is clearly that in Sebring we will be able to do the global presentation and to go in details and to explain. And from this point, you will know what is the performance level, what is the cost, what is the description and the definition of the car in details. And you can Don't wait for me any more comments today. Oh, no, no, I, know you, I know you no, will no, try. No, no. I know you very well. But so the new cars in the title, Le Mans and Daytona, they're clearly the two big blue ribbon events for mm -hmm. WC and ACO and for IMSA. Correct. There's another, and that's Sebring. Super Sebring is a big event. It's a big event now for ah. uh, for the WC. There is a specific question that yep. uh, comes from uh, one of our Swiss listeners. Uh, it comes under the moniker of Right Turn Lover. Um, uh, asks questions every single week. And he asked the question about Super Sebring. Are we in a position yet to say that it's up for debate? That Will it always stay as two races? Or under the new uh, regime... Can there be consideration to bring that together into one race? This is an excellent question. And uh, we have to, you know very well uh, my approach always. I tell you there is a time to work, there is a time to negotiate, and there is a time to communicate. On this specific question, we are not on the communication time, and I will explain you why. First, we have made the deal, and we have made the presentation of this convergence yesterday, the concept, the frame, let's say. In, in, in Sebring, you will discover the, the description of the car, to, to be yeah. exact. And you see some, maybe some outline visuals as to what these things might look like? You will see it in Sebring. So you have nine weeks to week. Then after that, uh, in between, after that, we hope that few OEMs will clearly commit to that because the idea is to introduce the first LMDH in September 21 in WC and uh, three months later, in January 22, in Daytona, 24 hours for IMSA. We try to provide the best stage. We try to organize the best des politic decision or the best organization uh, corresponding to the wish of the UOMs, but also from the fan, from the from the people involving inside, the partners. But 
we have to admit also that the market will decide many things because if in two or three years you have many manufacturers involved in the LMDH category, in the top category, it will be uh, from this point. Oh, your phone ring again. Huh? <laughs> you <laughs> no, you're, suppo no, you're supposed to be uh, totally, uh, uh, totally uh, usually uh, ready for direct live. Come on, my friend. <laughs> no, dear fan, this is my phone. To be honest with you, so uh, and, 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 my, and my peer is looking at me with big eyes now. What are you doing? So the, the the true story is that we have to wait to see how it will evaluate this grid, the respective grid, and we will see what's happened. The fact is that with the emergence platform, we open the door for many different possibilities in the future. And if if I have to tell you my dream, my dream is one day, maybe it could be in two years, three years, four years, depending how it will run this grid, this respective grid. The people allow waiting to see all these car racing together on the top race in the world. It means that if you have this, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 best cars racing in 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 Sebring, in uh, Daytona, in Le Mans, in Spa, Silverstone, uh, it, it will be something massive. But, but it does give us, doesn't it? It gives us potentially an opportunity. We can't make those decisions because yeah. we don't know how many cars yet. Potentially the decisions to think about a world championship in a completely different way. Is there a reason, for instance, Gerard, why this race might not be a world championship? Yeah, race? yeah, but because at this moment the regulation is not is not corresponding. That yeah. means that if you put the two cars together, it's impossible. Uh, so the idea is with the convergence, we have to find a way that the, the performance level will be similar, and in this case, it will be possible to do it. But in any case, what we want to, 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 to do and the, the, the target we would like to achieve is to, to, to offer the possibility for Naomi Ames to entry cars in any, any top race in the world. That, that's clearly the idea. And when we say, when we say top race, we, 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 mean, we, we think about uh, Sebring, Daytona, Le Mans, Silverstone, Spa. That, that's yeah, the yeah. target, clearly. Yeah. Well, the other big questions that's come forward from a number of people, I'll mention one Flugman, who runs the, uh, one, of the mm -hmm. one of the biggest support networks for the WEC on Reddit, and he asks about the decision, I think it's one of the surprise parts of the decision, which is sticking with the same four LMP2 manufacturers into another cycle of rules. So that, that stick, and they, as, I, as I get this right, I had a chat with BF on about it yesterday, brand new cars, because of course they'll need to accommodate different technology, but it will be restricted to those four. There will no, be this is, you cannot say this is brand new car. This is brand new model car. But you have to wor work with the, the already experience that you have accumulated, accumulated, accumulated. accumulated during, yeah. the last, during the last years. And uh, th this is a good value to have partners like Orica, Multimatic, uh, Dallara or Ligier because they have a great experience knowledge you know a race like Daytona a race like Le Mans it's not, it's not an usual race this is a specific track this is very different this is a purely prototype uh, for, for sports car for endurance and um, if you want to be ready on time in the coming and we don't have time to wait for three or four years huh? so if you want to be ready on time you must work with the experimented people around it's the same for example we are looking for 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 uh, um, a hybrid system provider because you already know that it will be a cares that we will use yes. and it will be the yes. same for all the cars in order to save money and to make easy and the that use now of this one. It becomes a joint process between IMSA and ACI. It is the case, yeah. but, but they are working together. But but they are looking and they are discussing with the experimented company in charge about that. You cannot say, okay, we open a tender for all the new ones who would like to be part of the story because you have to be serious and you have to be professional. There is a same, uh, we have some uh, safety process when you create a new prototype like this, so you need to be ready for the crash test and everything. And, and the, the, the current manufacturers, they already have the experience to do it. And, and we don't start from a, a white page again. We start from the existing story in DPI 2.0 and Hypercar. Sure. And these four manufacturers have been already since a long time involved in the both parts. That's the reason why. But it does count out a couple of manufacturers who have been active in LMP1. So they will not be part of that process moving forward. You mean the current, the current yeah, manufacturers? Yeah, yeah but, but first of all, they are already informed about that and they knew very well the story. I think that all of them had a very positive reaction on that because 
first of all, there is different choice. If you if you consider Aston Martin, for example, it starts from a road car, so yep. nothing to oh, do yeah. with what yes. we are proposing now. So this is this is another option, and this it was their own choice. No, sorry, I was referring more to the LMP1 privateer. Ah. yeah. B- uh, and you mean about we, who, for example? Well, well, for instance, we've got the VR uh, concern. Okay, they're linked in with Delara, we know that. You've got the Ginetta guys who've got a P3, new P3 program and a P1, but with a gap now again, which was a problem for them last time, they won't be involved in that marketplace. Not necessarily, because uh, Ginetta, for example, will have a chance to build, if he wants, an LMPH with uh, with the manufacturers. It's still possible. But with someone else's chassis, is the, is the question. Yeah. Okay. okay. Because you still have the chance, if you want to do LMH, you can do with the LMH your own chassis, as Toyota is doing, and, uh, and uh, you don't know Peugeot. Uh, Peugeot probably will do the same, or we choose sure to do LMDH, so that we, we don't know what they will do. But you will. The, what we have met yesterday, and this is very important to understand that, with IMSA, between IMSA and NCO, I think that we have... We don't have made any announcement for new manufacturers. It will be coming out from the OEMs. We have made... We have creating value. Yeah. We have creating more space, more visibility, more possibility. We have increased the value of the endurance platform, making it possible for several options and uh, decisions from manufacturers to join us. It was already existing for the top category, the LMH, or the uh, uh, with, with, with the road car or with the own chassis, your own system. And we have to respect the decision. The manufacturers can say, I would like to use only my own hybrid system because I already, I already have this one inside. Uh, I want to do my own chassis. That's my decision because I have the department to do it. And this is the question. And uh, they manage their own budget. They can do it themselves. Uh, some other we say I want to use from the road car because this is my business model I'm selling cars first etc etc and the LMDH is just another possibility to race all together on the top categories with a car which we cost less for sure because what we are doing with IMSA is to find a way to reduce the budget and to make it possible for the largest possible uh, OEM uh, list but it's clearly the idea that we create value in additional space. This yeah. is this is clearly the wish. Final question, because I know you're yeah. very pressed for time, mm-hmm. is about GT. Now, we are expecting, I think it's fair to say, we're expecting and certainly hoping for a pretty large number of manufacturers to step mm-hmm. forward and step into this uh, this opportunity and how it opens up. That could that's the, That's the problem. Sometimes the rumours can run quicker yeah, yeah, than yeah. the car in the paddock. So but that's, but that's we, an- we anticipate the possibility. Sure. Yeah. I think it would be fair to say, and I'm perfectly happy to be be contradicted, that one of the areas that the structure has not been very good at in recent years is looking at the the big picture, that we've been firefighting an LMP1 problem, an LMP2 problem, a GT problem. Is the process anticipating what might happen if we get some of those big manufacturers committed to a top class and we see an already pressured GTE Pro and GTLM class Squeezed. Is there the potential? Is there preparation in place for that possibility? This is exactly how it works. Uh, I mean that our job is not to decide; the market decide for that. Uh, if you're right, if there is a several brand who jump from GTE to LMDH, for example, it will ask the question immediately: What is the future of the GTE Pro? Uh, and uh, this is what we can say an immediate question as soon as they join the LMDH GTEM is a little bit delayed because this is the the client program so uh, it can still exist for a few seasons and what we are doing now between IMSA and ACO uh, it's to on the WC WC side with the FI also of course it's we have to clearly, uh, we have to clearly check what will be the future about that, which is uh, really important. Uh, th- I would say that uh, this is this is uh, we will adapt in this case what we have to do. At this moment, clearly, we we have to see what's 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 happened with the, with the manufacturers yeah. involved in pro. I'm 
we still have a story for the coming years, time. for sure. Time. We have time, and there is no question about that because we know we discuss with the with the with the manufacturers, and they already say that we sold many cars. We are very confident that it will exist for the next for the next year, no problem. The question will happen after, and to decide what we do, what we are doing now, we do, we are doing some simulation between us to see what can be the possi- what can be the option. And we will adapt at this time the decision regarding the situation we are facing, we will facing, and we will face in, 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 let's say, in two or three years, because we are speaking about 22, on average, to say. Eh? So, and it will be enough time to say, okay, this is the space for GTE in the future, or for GTE, or how will be structured the grid, how will be managed the grid, and one more time. Uh, in in the story, you have uh, the American story, which is one model, and you have the the Le Mans story. Look, this weekend, in Daytona, you have you have the the, the, the prototype, but you have also the GTE and you have the GT3 on the track. In Le Mans, this is not the case. You have at this moment the P1, P2, and and uh, and the GTE Amen Pro. Um, we have to adapt. We have to respect the the respective um, business model. But clearly, I think that we will be able to answer to this question the day we know exactly how many OEMs are involved in GTE Pro. And in any case, if you have only one or two in uh, four years, it will be a problem in five or six years for the GTM. So yep. it will be, uh, and it will be absolutely time to modify or to adjust your regulation. But the message is you're ready for that potential. We try to be always ready. Our job is to anticipate, is to imagine the different uh, scenario and to be ready to adapt and to try to provide the best answer. One more time. We have a chance to have amazing high-performer OEMs, great partners. I mean, uh, when you have people like Michelin or Goodyear, when you have uh, some other people around, uh, chassis OEMs, very performance. Uh, we have many, many good partners around with us. And our job is to try to provide the best stage, the best regulation, the best organization, the best calendar, the best championship. Our job is not to decide, okay, it will be only GTE and only LMDH. No, it doesn't work like this. We provide something and the people make the choice. If we provide something good, we could have a lot of people joining us. If it's not good, we will, we will face to a problem with a number of participants. So that's really the question. And what we are trying to do with IMSA is to increase the value of the paddock to make sure that in the coming next years, we will have exactly the right number of participants we want to have inside, pro, arm, GTE or, or prototype. So we share the reflection together, we share the, the, the investigation together, we have a very efficient sporting and technical working group uh, working on this every time, all the time. And with the board, we try to achieve the right decision. i give you a good example about that. What we show yesterday about the convergence is a vision for the next 10 years. Five years, if you see the current regulation with the LMDH, but it could be extended. And so because it will be also compatible with the Le, Le Mans hypercar, but also with the future hydrogen car in 2024. And you have seen that in order to help the people to save money, we will use the similar chassis for the next generation of LMP2. So you can ask also the question, what will be the exact definition of the next LMP2? That's the question for tomorrow. But this is it, it, it's already inside the, the thinking box between us. And when we decided a few months ago to delay the entry of the new LMP2 chassis, it was already because we knew exactly where we are, where we are going for the LMDH. It was already pre-engaged in, internally. So, uh, and we anticipate to say, oh, if you launch now the new LMP2 chassis, we lost the opportunity to to assert to make a good uh, uh, connection between these two. Exactly. So, and to do that, you need to to try to have a vision. So I think that what the participants, the actors of the of the sports car are waiting from us is to try to have a vision and to provide the right regulation, the right decision in front of. No more questions for the moment. We will, I'm sure, through Fee Miller here from 
uh, the FRWC, we will be looking. I can understand the impatience of the oh, yeah, of yeah. the fan. Oh, I would like to know how is this the LMDH, well, which is absolutely natural. Absolutely, but people are working very hard, and Sebring is the right time to, to deliver more and we, information. You know, we'll certainly invite you back and invite Pierre and invite John sure. and Ed to come back and answer questions on this one. But being very good for one thing, I'll say before we close is there is another common theme amongst these questions, and it's two words. In fact, it's one word and one small phrase. One is congratulations, and the other one is thank you from the fans. Um, it's a very big day indeed yesterday for sports car racing, for insurance racing. And I, I know you're... I understood these two words because first we are fan or so. Yeah. So we start to be fan at the beginning. So we understood it very well because we have the same feeling. What I would like to just to tell you is we are in Daytona this weekend, and uh, the, from our side, and uh, this is what we said with Pierre this morning during the breakfast. It's a very pleasure to work with the guy from IMSA. Um, th- th- there is this permanent dialogue. Jim and Pierre are speaking very face to face, very often. I'm speaking very often with John Dolan. Uh, we have a very clear connection. To prepare this announcement, for example, we, we spoke with John maybe four or five times every day and day and night. So it, it's, it's really proactive. And um, super sibling is also the demonstration that the two the two teams can work very well together, and there is no stronger and better position that when we work together for a single reason, we share the same passion, we share the same vision, we share the same interest for sports car and endurance, and we try to deliver the same service to the fan and to the media and to the partners and to the teams. So, if we can do it together, it's more fun than if we are doing. Each, from each side and far away from uh, between uh, between us, so it's better to do it like this. And it, it's always very challenging to try to provide the right answer or the right decision. But in any case, to spend all this time with the people from Musa from our side is really a pleasure. That's that's something very constructive, very productive. It provides a good energy. Good energy is important to provide the right answer for the future. You're under vote for now. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. Well, the second part of this Weekend Sports Cars special post the convergence announcement uh, here at uh, the Relix 24 Hours at Daytona, um, we've already heard from the LMEMCO uh, Gerard Neveau, but delighted to be joined at, what is this, 1.24am in the middle of the race. That's dedication. Folks. That is dedication. That is massive dedication. <laughs> Absolutely. We forced him to do it at gunpoint. Uh, by <laughs> by IMSA, uh, IMSA President John Doonan. John, it is a delight to see you here. Um, it's a particular delight to int- introduce you in that way. And the first thing I'm going to say before we get into the questions that have been sent in uh, for both yourself and Gerard um, is that I want to pass on to you in the same way I did to Gerard the two words which came forward the most in the 150 plus questions that came our way in less than 12 hours the first is congratulations we know how tough these kind of things can be to, to get to even to this stage we know this work still to do and the other one and it's a heartfelt one is thank you um, and I certainly echo echo that this has been you know, I think a dream for everybody and probably your opportunity here for a few opening remarks about the emotional response, I guess, to the announcement. Well, first, thrilled to be with you guys. Um, love that it's the middle of the night. It speaks about endurance and passion for all of us, you guys as well, and those still uh, alive and kicking in the media center. But uh, I appreciate what your listeners and fans uh, have shared relative to congrats. Um, I think we were spending a lot of time among our leadership teams at IMSA as well as the ACO and, and Gerard uh, representing WEC, uh, we were congratulating each other. I think everybody wanted this so bad for uh, each other, for the audio manufacturers that are currently investing, those that are kicking the tires, looking to come join um, IMSA or um, the ACO's platform, certainly Lamar. And I think most importantly, it's for the thousands and hundreds of thousands that are listening or watching around the world, uh, and that's our audience, our fans. And so it was a monumental day, historic day. I, every time I talk about it, the hair stands up on my arms because I think it's what we grew up with, right? We uh, all want um, the best of the best, whether it's the drivers, the cars, the teams competing here at Daytona, at Sebring, at Lamar and name the other circuit on the IMSA 
WeatherTech Championship schedule for us. And I think it harkens back to Bill Sr.'s vision, 1962 Daytona Intercontinental Race. That was his, his vision here at this uh, amazing speedway. Certainly uh, the nearly 100 years um, at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, it's, it's really special. And I, I, keep, I went back to my condo last night uh, after the Rolex dinner, and I kept thinking you know, of, of three words, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when hopefully, and I'm certain based on conversations, you see this batch, and I mean batch, of manufacturers uh, coming to do battle in the top class, uh, flanked by the awesome racing we see in GT. So a little bit of a long-winded answer for the, for the opening, but that's, that's from the heart, uh, and, and we're really thrilled. I guess the, the one question I'm going to ask off the bat, uh, and it covers off a lot of questions that I know we can't answer, or I get answers to quite yet. You, you touched on it there with that, that, that moment there. I like that word, batch. Batch implies numbers. Um, what can we say, in generality at least, about the level of engagement and interest from real mainstream manufacturers, top-end and like white goods manufacturers too, if, if you like, you know, we've got the Toyotas, we've got the Peugeots having declared various things, but what level of interest are you hearing both leading into and, of course, immediately beyond the announcement that we had on Friday? Yeah, clearly we can't speak for any of the manufacturers, but I can tell you uh, Mr. France has a saying, and, you know, what the France family and the Bishop family have done for sports car racing here in North America with IMSA now starting our 51st year. Um, is monumental as well, uh, but the conversation that, that you know we have internally, and Mr. France uh, has, has uh, a philosophy that the manufacturers will speak, and uh, I committed to Jim and to Ed Bennett that in my first hundred days in this role, I would get out and see every manufacturer on their turf, uh, whether it was trips to Detroit and Dearborn, uh, whether it was trips to California to see many of the manufacturers based out there. Uh, some of the manufacturers came to Daytona to visit with us. Uh, had the opportunity to go to Germany, um, you know. So you gotta sit and you gotta talk about product cycle plans on the road car side. You gotta talk about uh, powertrain strategies and what is going to give them, uh, as OEM uh, partners of these championships, the best opportunity to showcase uh, what their plans are. Um, whether it's uh, aligning with a current. Uh, engine philosophy, whether it's uh, aligning with the current design and styling strategy, um, they are going to use this, and we always hope to provide them a platform to showcase their brand in front of their their fans, people that are passionate about their brand. And so, uh, there's many that have expressed interest. Um, certainly, I would hope that um, as we take and open chapter two, which is showing everybody a draft set of regulations and then uh, another chapter three perhaps in june um, that we give them all the tools they need uh, to communicate with their um, you know executive boards marketing teams uh, to put together a proper package that doesn't uh, uh, both meet and exceed the objectives they have uh, but there's there's uh, high hopes among the communications we've had uh, with people saying you know, this is the way forward. We want convergence. We want an opportunity to race at Daytona, at Sebring, at Le Mans. Um, so what what I think we've all done is is the easy part. Yesterday's announcement, while awesome, while many congrats, many thank yous, uh, that was the easy part. Now we, uh, Maz, uh, excuse me, I owe you a buck. Uh, <laughs> uh, IMSA. The Mazda jar. Exactly, yeah, the Mazda jar. Um, IMSA and the ACO, what we've done um, by making that announcement is one thing, but now we have to come together as, as a single unit. Um, Terry Bouvet on the ACO side, Simon Hodgson and his team um, on the IMSA side, um, finish off the regulations. Finish off the regulations with um, the best intentions for the manufacturer partners, best intentions for the chassis constructors, who have all come together and supported this, by the way. Um, Delara, Leger, Multimatic, Orica, they are in lockstep. And it's what the beauty of that is for me is you got four competitors 
they're in the business of building race cars, uh, and they came together in the uh, in the uh, International Motorsports Center across the street, and they locked arms and they said, "We're in this with you." Um, you know, there's, they each have business models. It's got to make it work, and so this is, you know, everyone, um, you know, has has said not everyone, many people have said, "We've been here before." We've been here before. Is this really going to work this time? And I can tell you from my heart of hearts, both from my previous role to this one, that I have uh, every confidence in the world. And Jim and Pierre signed a document yesterday that fully outlines the fact that we're in this together. And, um, man, it's, uh, again, can you imagine? Brilliant. Let's get into some questions. First, uh, question about... One of the other three-letter acronyms that tends to come on these uh, occasions, and we've got a number of people asking, including Giuseppe Gigliani, Gigliano, my apologies, Giuseppe, Richard Cooper, BOP. And BOP sits at the, the, the cornerstone of this because of the differences in drivetrains we're expecting to see, but in particular where we've got that thorny issue that the, this is not going to be one class, it's going to be two in certainly certain circumstances and for certain timescales. We've got the LMDH, but we've then got the LMH cars to think about as well. Two questions arise from this, and and lots of them come down this question list. One is the open question I know about. the. We know that LMDH will be in both. will be in uh, the 2021-22 WC and beyond, and 2022 here in the United States with IMSA. Hypercar, similar in terms of the kind of performance that we're expecting to see, um, but no commitment as yet, as I understand it, to Hypercar being eligible for IMSA quite yet. That is still an open question. I think, um, first, there will be BOP, as much as uh, I'd like to, to joke about it yesterday uh, in the press conference, there will be a balanced performance, period, the end, regardless uh, of the two categories. Even within LMDH, you're going to have a variety of ICE engines, you're going to have a single-source hybrid, no question. You're going to have a variety of chassis, although held to very strict on the chassis side. Um, you're going to have different aero packages because of the styling, and the plan is among both organizations to open up that styling, allow manufacturers to take it a step further than uh, perhaps Acura did and Cadillac did and Mazda did in the DPI side, allow them to have more areas of the bodywork that they can, they can align with their, their design studio and their brand. Um, so there's 100% BOP, uh, for sure, across LMDH. You, you add in uh, the hypercar program, and we, together with the ACO, are studying how that can work. Um, don't know yet exactly how that's going to come together, but um, the same way that there was a sincere interest in convergence, there's a sincere interest in, in making it work. Um, uh, as best we can. So more to come on that. I think Sebring, again, is the next chapter relative to the regulations, and uh, we'll see what unfolds then. I think yesterday uh, many manufacturers who were asking for it said the congrats, said the thank yous, gave the high five, and now everybody's waiting for, for the next step. I want to interject and, and talk about the, the single-source hybrid. Yeah. It, can you expand on that? in a sense of how much progress you think we're going to see over the course of this regulation cycle, if you will. Will it be you know, like we saw with LMP1H, where the progress over the course of four or five years was you know, astronomical? Or will we see you know, the hybrid systems that are in year one, will, will that continue um, you know, through, through the years that we see these cars racing? I think, great question, by the way. I think the, the, the vision of everybody is to contain cost. Um, this single source hybrid uh, started as a tender by IMSA. Uh, we received proposals from many. Uh, we're down to a few. We need to make a decision quickly. Then we need to get into a chassis, and that goes back to the four chassis constructors. They're in lockstep in that process. Um, they haven't decided which chassis it's going to go in, and it really doesn't matter. They want to get it in a chassis and, and running it, no matter what the ICE engine is, because there's installation issues, there's heat rejection uh, that they need to look at. So the goal is to get it in there and, and get it running. 
once we do that, I think we can answer your question better. Um, the, the, the life and the vision of it is a full season uh, for sure before any sort of rebuilds or refreshes are needed. But in terms of a development curve and a spending curve, that needs to be flat in our minds. And I think the ACO agrees. This is not an open book of develop your hybrid system you know, better than the next um, you know, competitor. It is a single source. It is uh, to be maintained in the, in the same fashion for everyone. And um, until we get it in the car, we won't know if there's some issues we need to uh, tweak to make it uh, more reliable or you know, name, the, name the category of, of things we need to address. But the vision is not um, to allow it to, to in any way escalate in cost. The, the point being raised about hybrid, and you may mentioned as well the styling issue, that speaks to the next question we've got. It comes from Phil Oakley. Siemens on the outside says, Phil, the new class LMDH is just DPI, DPI 2.0 with a new name and added input from the ACO. Can you explain how LMDH is different from DPI? Now, I'm guessing Phil means DPI right now. And of course, that hybrid system is one of them. The second part of it, of course, is the fact that it is completely different chassis albeit from the same four potential manufacturers but for me and please add that there's anything else you think is important here John one of the most important parts of this is the styling can be radically different from a DPI I think um, huge credit to Mr. France and folks like Mark Raffoff and Simon and the team that had the vision for DPI 1.0 and what uh, has been done by Acura, Cadillac, Mazda, Nissan, um, that uh, took an idea to allow manufacturers to do some styling and run their own IC. You're 100% correct. The change versus DPI uh, 2.0 is the hybrid system, uh, added styling, um, and then clearly based on the homologation cycle of LMP2, it'll be based on the new uh, the base of the new LMP2 car, um, but that, frankly, the, the the overall philosophy and the you know the intention of it, that's the part that isn't really changing. You know, the intention is still manufacturer. You got an amazing opportunity to style the car to your brand, bring your own, you know, brand relevant um, base engine, and you know, um, um, add the styling cues that really speak to you, to your, uh, your story. The styling pit is, is an interesting one. You know, we didn't see renders of the new cars on Friday. Good reason for that, because of course, as you said yourself, it's for manufacturers to bring that forward. We are told that if things progress in the way that everybody's hoping they will, we should see those by Sebring. Give us a flavour of what we're to expect. Are these cars that are going to look like LMP prototypes or are these going to be cars that look like for the want of a better word, hypercars? Yeah, I think um, the vision in most all of our minds is uh, uh, that it would look more like uh, what you would see in current DPIs or LMP2 cars uh, prototype but have the opportunity once you, once you start adding some styling to those types of vehicles you know, I don't know that you say it looks like a hypercar, it looks like a DPI. It's um, it's a top category. It's a new stage. It's a bigger stage. Um, but I think most importantly, it's going to be attractive and brand identifiable uh, for the fans. So do you feel like, I don't want to heart too much back to when, it, when the two championships in the U.S. merged, but you feel there'll be a, a genuine... It'd be easy to spot the difference between a D, uh, an LMDH and a, a Le Mans hypercar when you're just looking at them racing together. We'll have that, you know, clear difference when, when you look at them on track. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've only seen renderings of hypercar, um, but I would hope that um, um, the vision of both is to allow manufacturers to make them identifiable. Um, but I suspect it'll be it'll be quite quite different look. Uh, between the two a couple of questions about the potential for entries to switch between series or the other kind of issues that come up from that because of this kind of common platform now we hope that the numbers that we're going to be looking at in terms of manufacturer involvement whether it's for one series or the other or both are going to be sufficient that that's not going to be an issue 
But for instance, Ricky Zagata uh, asked John, how can we guarantee Imsa's manufacturers won't abandon the WeatherTech series, jump to WC for an automatic invite to the 24 hours of the morning? I guess that's dependent on what the, the content of that agreement is going to be about, for the want of a better expression, your factory entries. And adding into that, um, there is a questionnaire from RSL20 via the uh, USCR uh, group on Reddit that says, will we see any teams that run only big races not compete in either full championships? Um, there's iconic <laughs> endurance races uh, around the globe, without a doubt, 24 hours of Le Mans, without a doubt, Rolex 24 at Daytona, uh, 12 hours of Sebring. So I think um, there's brands that are global in nature and global in product distribution on the road car side that want to be in all of those places. Um, as I said earlier, manufacturers will talk and they will tell us um, when asked what their objectives are. Um, we have uh, in IMSA, uh, in total, 17 manufacturers uh, that are partners with our championship, whether it's the Michelin Pilot Challenge or the WeatherTech Championship. Um, many, if not all, of those brands have told us how important the North American market is to them um, on the road car side and in a brand building, um, you know, uh, uh, in their in the strategy of building their brand. At the same time, many, if not all, of those manufacturers uh, distribute their road car products globally. So, you can ask a question of a manufacturer about um, some technical regs that would apply. Um, prior to convergence that would be uh, relate, related to competing in North America, and they might have one answer. And as soon as you talk about, but what if you were able to compete at Le Mans, or what if you were with that same vehicle, you know, and, and I witnessed a lot of eyes, you know, opening up, um, a lot of smiles, a lot of heads shaking in the affirmative um, when that opportunity came up, and you know, as, as we continued to meet with Pierre and Gerard and Jim France and Ed Bennett and, and the technical teams, um, that was an inspiration for all of us that said, you know, number one, we've got to do this. The, the manufacturers are, are calling for it. And, and then it's our jobs as, as stewards of the technical regulations to make it right and make it viable. Um, just logistically and pragmatically, but also uh, economically for, for anybody that wants to play. So um, I don't think any of us are um, sitting here worried about um, any of our manufacturers on either side um, abandoning um, the full season championship um, in, in, in any way uh, to go to the other. I think with convergence, um, now you have a manufacturer that could um, choose uh, select events, for example. Uh, the hope would be certainly that people would be running for a championship, um, but they, they could conceivably try to choose the events that impact their, their messaging uh, the best. It's not unusual. I mean, we, we know already that um, to pick up a, an auto entry for the long 24 hours, there's an insistence that you have to be running a full season That's in an right. ACO series or IMSA. That's right. Politics is everywhere. Um, yeah. Sports car racing has been riddled with it. Um, some of the politics, uh, certainly some of the politics seen by some of the fans, has always been a bit them and us, a bit kind of adversarial. Tom Firth speaks a little bit to that one. He says he really likes the idea of a buzzword of convergence, but he can't help but feel that IMSA just won the battle. Convergence is more diplomatically friendly explanation by the ACO to open the floodgates for IMSA cars to compete alongside ACO's own platform, the overall at Le Mans. Is that what it feels like to you, John? Not at all. Um, one of the critical uh, few sentences in the IMSA mission statement is that we will make decisions that are good for our sport and ultimately for our audience. Which and stakeholders, which is our, our manufacturer partners, our corporate partners, like WeatherTech and Michelin, uh, for our uh, race promoters who are putting on the events, and for our fans. And I think 
and the discussions that we've had with Pierre and Gerard and Terry um, on, on the uh, ACO and WEC side, there's no sense that um, one side won or one side gave in to the other. It was a situation where we all said this is the right thing for our sport. And so it gives me confidence again for those uh, who say we've been there before, um, you know, so-and-so won. You know, I think you guys, your listeners, we uh, have to lock step. We are all the passionate people about sports car racing. We're the insiders. We're the advocates. And when we all lock arms, instead of trying to figure out uh, the politics of it, um, when we lock arms, we can uh, be educators to the audience that we don't have right now um, and explain to them what BOP means <laughs> or what uh, you know the regulations mean or what uh, LMDH means and, and what the GT category means. And, and I think... Um, uh, we have again. It's a huge opportunity right now to, to educate everybody. And once we understand the answers to these questions, be advocates rather than finding what's wrong. Let's talk about what's right. I absolutely agree with it. Um, three more questions before we let you go. For I'm sure it'll be a short nap. Um, no, going up, <laughs> going up, going up to race control. Good to, man. Uh, see those folks. So. Carhouse says, do you have any concerns with your rule set being similar to IndyCar's proposed changes, with the development of running costs being close between the two, but with the viewership numbers being drastically different? Does that concern you that the manufacturer marketing teams could choose to pivot away? Uh, I think because we're in North America with IndyCar, IMSA, and we share a couple events, of course, Long Beach Grand Prix, um, the uh, Chevrolet Belle Isle Grand Prix. Um, we share events with IndyCar and <clears throat> different formats of racing, different cars. Um, I think one uh, thing that's in common is everybody um, trying to maintain the actual operational costs of what we're doing. Um, but I don't think there's any sort of concern. We've got a couple of manufacturers um, that are overlapping. Uh, IndyCar has two. Um, now, now a third, I guess, uh, with uh, Zach Brown and the McLaren operation coming on board that, that overlap. But I think um, different formats of racing, a lot of different things to consider with each of the cars, so I don't think there's any, um, any issue. But much like the auto industry right now, which is constantly evolving, um, in the way that uh, we go to market with different uh, propulsion solutions, whether it's um, making the internal combustion engine even more efficient than it is today, making uh, hybrid possible, electrification, uh, future fuels, uh, we all have to stay um, uh, flexible, um, modular in our um, in our base chassis such that uh, we can continue to uh, make sure that the uh, decisions are uh, going to be able to support what the manufacturers need and want. Chris Ward asks, I'm saying it's wonderful news, an attempt to boost quant quantity of car counts, will older DPI cars be allowed to continue perhaps alongside the existing LMP2 machinery? Is that going to be a numbers game? Is that going to depend on what we see? Well, um, I think certainly from the IMSA side, one of the key missions and values that IMSA was founded on by the France family and the Bishop family was that um, racers of all types um, could pursue their dreams of competing in endurance sports car racing at various levels. So I think uh, the LMP2 category... We're seeing a little bit of growth in 2020 uh, remains uh, a viable opportunity for those that uh, wish to compete in a pro-am type setting. Uh, so we're, we're happy about that. I think um, the DPI cars that you see today, their homologation runs through 2021. And the LMDH 
the next version of DPI, you know, so to speak, uh, will kick off in 2022, and there won't be a, a grandfathering uh, plan of those cars uh, right now that are competing. It's it's LMDH uh, all the way. Very clear. Um, have there been discussions about preventing exclusivity deals between the P2 chassis manufacturers and interested OEMs? I mean, it's fair to say that the decision to carry on through only with the four we've currently got has been perhaps one of the more surprising and indeed controversial aspects of this. Is that a kind of marriage of convenience to a degree? And, and certainly the exclusivity part of it, you know, I think from your experience with Master, I'm sure that's been on the table more than once in terms of the potential for teams to step up from LMP2. I think... Um the beauty again of having the four uh, manufacturers has been uh, controlling costs Uh, they all have a business model as uh, a chassis constructor Um, so i think having the four helps us contain the costs Um, i know there's others that i think um, relatively uh, small number of others that are would be interested in being on that list but I think uh, having the four that we, we have now makes a lot of sense for um, business reasons of, of all of those and not trying to uh, open it too far. Um, I think we, we need to contain um, and, and make sure that um, each of them is operating in a successful business model, but also uh, a realistic one for the manufacturers, for the buyers, the team owners, the people that are um, needing to buy spares and things like that. So um, it's a slippery slope when uh, you open things too far and, um, you know, profit uh, margins and markups become a little tricky for everybody. We need to operate in a realistic environment where everybody can be successful, but also, uh, again, keep costs in check. I sound a little bit like a broken record, but that's that's really the foundation of it all. Yes, the final question is about what next because if this is successful, then two things should happen. One is the top class in both championships, plus, of course, the Blue Ribbon events should balloon. The second thing is that LMP2 can, therefore, become a real feeder series, pro-am or whatever, uh, because there will be, of course, a driver's market open there. But it does create one challenge. It's a question I asked Gerard as well, which is what then happens to the factory-backed GT class? What is the kind of the the vision you've got for where that might go at the moment? It, its future is, I, I don't want to use the word precarious, that's an overstatement, but it's certainly not secure with the numbers we've got in both championships. So um, we're obviously thrilled on the IMSA side to have the new uh, C8R Corvette, awesome looking and awesome sounding. It was a little different to not hear that thunder uh, through the tri-oval that we're all used to, uh, but amazing car. And I know Mark Royce and Jim Campbell and Mark Kent and the entire uh, GM racing group has has all the product engineers from the Corvette, so that was awesome to see them here at the Rolex 24 sort of as a rallying point to see that race car out there. The new uh, 911 RSR also amazing sound as they've changed the exhaust outlets to right at that B-pillar um, so beautiful cars, and, and clearly BMW and, and Ferrari, and I think Aston globally have all done a great job. So uh, kudos to them. I think um, their homologation cycle comes up here. Um, we've got LMDH as an opportunity for some of those manufacturers where they may choose to uh, focus on an overall victory. I think everyone um, between Gerard and, and Pierre and, and Jim and Ed and I and our teams um, I think everyone's certain that that's what what people want. Um, GT3 is a platform here. Obviously, it's our our GTD category. Um, Has a a volume of cars uh, globally that are available. And if you provided an opportunity for people um, to run in in GT3, that would be quite um, a huge opportunity to to see field sizes grow. Um, GTLM racing has been amazing. But it, end, it ends up coming down to a decision by those manufacturers of where to where to invest um, in terms of, of GTLM and, and LMDH. And 
Um, we'll know more at Sebring relative to the regulations and associated budget with those regulations, and then it becomes a decision point for, for the OEM partners. Again, um, pragmatism rings. Yeah, 100%. We, we need to be smart um, as a collective um, community, um, whether it's the different spokes in the wheel, that is the manufacturers, um, the, the uh, sanctioning bodies, um, and those uh, chassis constructors. So it's going to be an exciting time. It's going to be an extremely busy time. Um, as I said, the announcement yesterday was the easy part. Um, a lot of late-night calls and paperwork exchanging hands to get us to yesterday, uh, which will be uh, a, a historic day, certainly in my memory, and I think in memory of um, your thousands of listeners out there. You know, fast forward to Super Sebring, I envision a very similar high-level um, announcement of, of the draft regulations and then a more detailed sort of technical summit where we can share uh, very detailed what the, the technical regulations look like. And then uh, another chapter perhaps uh, in France at Le Mans uh, that we can sort of put a, you know, a, a ribbon on it all and let people get going because you start looking at the timelines and they're challenging. And it's charging fast, and I know Simon and Terry are uh, are really pushing for um, the, the decisions on regs uh, themselves and holding themselves to high standards because there's manufacturers that operate in a, a fiscal cycle at their particular company that they've got to present um, you know medium and long-term budget uh, proposals and strategies, and we want to give them all the tools that they can um, such that they can get started and get us all ready for the 21-22 season. Well, you've set the bar high, John, haven't you? You've come in as IMSA president, and your first event, you've organized one of the most significant press conferences in sports car racing history. Then we've got another significant press conference coming at Sebring, then Le Mans. What's it going to be like at Long Beach? Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, you know, the discussions and the amount of people that have put effort into this globally um, over the last set of decades is, is monumental. I, I just happen to be uh, at the right place at the right time uh, to be one of the pieces of this. And I think you guys all know, and you've all had the hair standing up on your arms too, um, when, when this type of thing happens. this is I, I said to several of the drivers on the grid this morning before the Rolex 24 went, uh, went green was, this is good for all of us, for you all and the work that you do in communicating these stories for the drivers up and down the paddock in both places, the engineers, the crew members, the teams, the manufacturers, the corporate partners. This is good for all of us, and I think um, it's, uh, it's going to be tricky, but we gotta, we got to get to work. Um, but, but so many people have played a role in this, you know, back to Don Panos and Scott Atherton, Jim, obviously, and, and Ed Bennett, myself, and all the technical teams. So it's an absolute group effort. And uh, can't wait to see uh, what happens after Sebring. There's been a, certainly a positive response from the entire community. And then I think it's our job, whether we're in the audience as a fan, uh, you guys, myself, uh, the drivers, to talk about this in such a way that we can all grow our audiences. And I sound, again, like a broken record and a little cliche, but it's, uh, it's really good. We wish you all the luck in the world with this. And... Uh, we're going to need it. Yeah, let's go racing. John Doonan, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for the opportunity.